morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another terrific Tuesday. Friends, for Torch Report 385, the frog is boiling in the pot. This is part two of the series on where there is no vision, the people perish. So let's go ahead and try to take it in stride while the media continues to hyperventilate about Trump's indictment and his potential 400 years in prison. Yeah, topless trans activists are desecrating the nation's capital. Increasingly violent, woke leftists are quickly rebranding as Trantifa, and reports are coming in that Biden has instructed the U.S. military to shoot anyone who calls the United States a banana republic. I kid you not, friends. There's the article right there from Hot Air. Biden instructs military to shoot anyone who calls the U.S. a banana republic. Now, I just have to say it's sickening. It's sad. But sometimes you just have to laugh. You know, that's that's what I really appreciate about the uh, the witty satire cranked out by Babylon B. For those who don't know, Babylon B, the one that wrote that headline there, uh, th- they're a satire, right? So they're, they're they're like always making spoofs. So that's a headline, and you know what? Probably some people believe it, but there, there's always some truth in jest, right? I, Biden didn't actually instruct the military to shoot anybody uh, who who calls the U.S. a banana republic, but you can that day doesn't seem like it's that far off, obviously, and that's what they're mocking. It says uh, in. In response to widespread public outcry following the indictment of former President Donald Trump, Joe Biden has ordered the military to shoot anyone who dares to refer to the United States as a banana republic. Listen up, folks, says Biden. The United States is not a banana republic. Got it? You know, said Biden in sternly brief remarks to members of the media at the White House. This is just a bunch of malarkey. And anyone who tries to say it will be dragged into the street and executed. I don't even like bananas. (laughs) Anyway, it's just fun. You know, sometimes you have to laugh. Okay. Uh, Fortunately, and for the record, obviously, Biden hasn't ordered the U.S. military to turn against the United States citizens. Not yet, uh, at least. And unfortunately, the increasingly violent completely deranged and mysteriously funded militant leftists and the radical trans activists out there are they're stepping up to do the dirty work so we don't need to have the US military turn against the people when we got all these leftist militants out there the uh, the recent the, the hate-fueled trans murder spree over at the Christian Elementary School in Nashville. That's just one example, but it's they're getting increasingly violent. And this whole Trantifa, the, the merging of the trans activism and Antifa, the Trantifa movement is even starting to pick up steam uh, to the point that the United Nations has even noticed. And there's a link there in the article in the report today. And I want to read this little excerpt from the article. It says, quote, Trans activists gravitate towards these far left groups because they share their anarcho-communist type ideology. They view the U.S. as systemically racist, that it's subjugated queer people and that states passing laws against child mutilations is part of a trans genocide. And they're fighting back, period, end quote. Friends, they are fighting back back. So these mentally disturbed and unstable people, they believe they're being oppressed. They believe that they're being targeted for genocide. They really believe it. And they're fighting back. 
But where do these ideas even come from? I mean, who the hell in their right mind believes that passing laws against child mutilation is a transgenocide? It's just so sick and twisted. Now, regarding where these ideas come from, you may recall here was our what? Torch Port 380, understanding what's at stake. And I, I had reported that the Human Rights Campaign recently declared a national emergency for queers all across the country. It's all about this trans genocide that's happening, supposedly. And <clears throat> now for the majority of uninformed people, when they see the name Human Rights Campaign, they think they're signing on this, a good cause. Oh, man, I want to be a good human. I want to support the Human Rights Campaign. You know, who doesn't want who doesn't want to support human rights? Right. I mean, at any rate, many people, the majority of people, I would say, are completely unaware that the Human Rights Campaign is the largest LGBTQ activist group in America. They're a fundraising machine, man. I mean, these people are bringing in billions of dollars, millions and millions, if not billions. They're a political lobbying zeitgeist, and they're they're based out of Washington, D.C. You know, they chucked some $20 million into re-electing Obama, for example. These guys are players, and they have been for decades. The, uh, the organization, the Human Rights Campaign, uh, they, they even have their own page on Encyclopedia Britannica. At any rate, it was founded by this gay guy named Steve Ending back in 1980. And Ending was passionate about promoting the idea that being gay isn't specific acts. Being gay is a state of mind. And when I read that, I thought, holy shnikes, this is this is exactly what's going on right now. I find this whole idea that being gay is a state of mind. That's very fascinating to me. Like, really, that's a state of mind. Hmm. You know, uh, especially given the fact that nearly 40 percent of Generation Z self-identify as LGBTQ plus. And that includes get this, that includes an absolutely astounding and absolutely unbelievable 30 percent of young Christians self-identify as LBGTQ+. Okay, just try to wrap your head around that one. But again, being gay is just a state of mind. Does that make sense? Okay, it's 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 a mind game. It's a messed up mind. It's a broken brain or what have you, but it's it's just it's very twisted. But to me, this is uh, this is clear evidence. It's clear evidence of the the psychological tampering and the social conditioning that have been covertly converting American children for the last several decades. You know, this again, since 1980, been pushing this big, uh, you know, national gay agenda. And there are three things I think that need to be pointed out here in this decades long process. One is that the parents had to be conditioned first. Right. Otherwise, there's no way in hell parents would support or condone or stand for this level of insanity. Any parent in their right mind who has not been conditioned is trying to protect their children from this insanity. Okay. The second thing that I want to point out is that targeting children with sexualized propaganda and grossly manipulating their mental development to advance an agenda is evil in its purest form. Pure effing evil. Okay. The third thing that I want to point out here is that all of these spiritually depleted, psychologically disturbed, and mentally unstable young adults, they all get to vote. Okay. They all get to vote and they all only vote one way. They vote for more and more insanity. Friends, it's, it's just, it's, again, it's all about, you know, control and all that kind of stuff. But underneath all of this lies the communist ideology. It's the communist ideology of centralized government control. 
because only centralized government control can protect these people's fragile mental state. Only centralized government control can demand that everybody comply with the insanity. And indeed, my friends, the merging of anti-fascists and trans activists under the banner of human rights, this is nothing less than a revolutionary communist anarchist militia movement that aspires to forcibly overthrow the United States government, period, end quote. Those words coming from uh, the highly esteemed Matthew Vadum. He wrote that that this, uh, you know, these this merging here is a revolutionary communist anarchist militia movement aspiring to forcibly overthrow the United States. Uh, if you've been with me, you know those words, the forcibly overthrow all existing social conditions that comes straight out of the Communist Manifesto. At any rate, According to the highly esteemed Matthew Vadum, these groups are responsible for a level of sustained political street warfare not seen in the U.S. since the 1960s. Okay, now I wasn't around in the 1960s, mind you. I grew up in the 80s right now. But this this. So I, I'm not familiar with this political street warfare that has been sustained, but it's ongoing now. It's happened before. It's happening again. It's a cultural revolution. And, you know, when I hear the words forcibly overthrow the United States government, you know, sustained street warfare. Holy smokes. This is what the left's up to right now. This is what they're doing. They're doing it. You know, this is a culture war. and It's happening in the streets. So remind me again. Remind me of what the right side is up to. Oh, that's right. Never mind. <laughs> you know, I don't we'll get to that here in just a second. But the point is, these people, these radical leftists, these communist anarchist militias, they have conviction. But more importantly, friends, they have a vision. I took a screenshot here. I put it in uh, that says no one can take away our pride, blah, blah, blah. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. If you go to thetorchreport.com, you can check out this spiffy screenshot. And it shows the banner. It says, when we unite together, we are unstoppable. Wow. When we unite together... We are unstoppable. Gosh, you know, maybe all of us good old-fashioned red-blooded Americans can borrow that line back, right? Maybe united we stand, divided we fall. We, we, we need to come back to that. And yet we have no unifying vision. There's no, we don't have enough vision and conviction to be out battling in the streets, in other words. I'm just trying to contrast the two sides here. Now, keep that in mind. While the, while the vast majority of conservative Americans continue to support Donald Trump, Teflon Don, you know, they, he's the 2024 nominee. T Trump is trouncing DeSantis by more than twofold. It's like uh, Trump's at like 50, uh, 53% and DeSantis is at 22. Yeah, Trump 52.7. Uh, so basically 53% DeSantis is at 22 right there at the uh, real clear politics there. Now, even at, that's after his indictment. So while the vast majority of conservative Americans stand with Donald Trump, the Republican establishment continues to throw him under the bus. United we stand, divided we fall. Here we have this division. You know, Mitch McConnell refuses to defend or stand beside the people's choice. Chris Christie, he's out there uh, claiming that Trump is a three-time loser who doesn't care about America. Paul Ryan is out there telling Republicans that Trump is going to cost them the Senate and the House. These are high-level Republican leaders, right? These Republican leaders, even if they're just rhinos, they don't give a damn about the will of we the people. 
all they care about is more money and more power in their political careers. They're, they, you know, these Republican leaders, the Republican establishment is standing directly opposed to the majority of patriotic, liberty-loving Americans, friends. And that means that they're standing in the way of what needs to be done here. Very important to realize that. What have the establishment Republicans done for election integrity since the 2020 election? Well, they've done nothing but certify one bogus election after another, right? What have the Republican establishment done to curb the political corruption that's running rampant through the halls of Congress? Nothing. They've doubled down on the lies. What have the Republicans done to respect or to reflect the will of we the people? Friends, I submit for your consideration the possibility that they haven't done a damn thing except for, you know, gratify themselves. Anyway, a whole host, you know, you think about what's happening. Lindsey Graham and 13 other sellout senators have voted to advance gun safety. Okay, Republicans advancing gun safety, high level Republicans advancing gun safety. You think about Kevin, the schmuck McCarthy, who just led the House Republicans in voting to completely abolish the debt ceiling. Okay, you have a chance to rein in some some national debt and reckless spending, but no, no, we're going to vote for to just abolish the debt ceiling. I mean, completely. Let's just get rid of it. You know, we'll talk about it in a few more years. Okay, and they call that a compromise and a win. But is this in the best interest of the American people? Absolutely not. You know, how about the fact a whole host of Republicans are still pushing to send more and more money, more military equipment, more ammunition to fund the endless war in Ukraine. Can you believe it? You know, despite the fact that opposition to funding the ongoing meat grinder has quadrupled in recent months, largely because even the New York Times is coming to point out these Ukrainian Nazis are killing their own people, as discussed uh, yesterday or maybe Friday, whatever it was recently. Now, friends, I just want to state the obvious here. Okay. The, the Republican Party is fractured. The, 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 the political right is clearly not united. We are not fighting for a common cause. We are, in fact, you know, if you really want to get right down to it, you know, you think about the Republican Party isn't doing a damn thing other than patting their pockets and protecting the status quo. We, the people, are getting stabbed in the back time and time again. In other words... The Republican Party is not on the side of the American people. Now, friends, I, I acknowledge that this is a bitter pill to swallow, right? This is a very harsh reality, but I believe we have to face it. And I believe more and more people are waking up to this fact. And just to be clear, just for the record here, for all my Republican friends that are listening, this doesn't mean that I'm not going to support local Republican candidates or vote for local Republican candidates in the local and state level elections. I will. I'll do that. Absolutely. Because they are fighting for liberty. And I know these people like to see these people. But at the top, nah, not so much. And what that means is that a vision for the future of America must account for these facts. We have to account for the fact that the Republican Party is not on the side of the American people. We desperately need a vision to unite the country, but it's not going to be a Republican platform. It's not going to be a Democrat platform. It's not going to be any other party platform for that matter. Friends, the political system is rigged. I know that you know that. It's broken, and therefore we need to fix it. We need to 
do something about it. And we need to do something about it now before it's too late. If we have any desire to preserve the blessings of liberty for future generations, now is the time. We must unite and rise up and resist. We must. Now, friends, think about this. The leftists are fighting back. They're fighting back. Those are their words, right? They're fighting back. They're taking the war to the streets. What are we doing? Okay, chew on that. They're fighting back. They're taking the war to the streets. What are we doing? Now, I want to leave you with an excerpt from an excellent article. It's out over at the the Conservative Treehouse this morning. The title of the article is Patriots Do Not Flinch. Do not flinch flinch. Okay. And I'm just going to read a lengthy little portion of this because it's very moving to me. I read it and I had goosebumps and tingles up my spine, blood in my fist, ready to fight. Now here it goes. Patriots do not flinch. We are patriots engaged in a battle of consequence. We are the workforce. We are also digital warriors, meme creators, artists, researchers, artists, and ordinarily invisible people now considered dissidents in our own country. We are the backbone of industry, the people who keep it all functioning, the builders, the diggers, the blue collar workforce that keeps everything functioning. We are the people they will never fully control. We speak in languages they do not understand, and we absorb targeted ridicule as fuel. We are the movers of goods, the truckers, the farmers, the nameless people behind the skilled trades that keep what they call American society moving. We are the people who grow the food, pick the food, transport the food, stock the food, cook the food, and facilitate the life they live. We are a visible yet disregarded insurgent force within their sphere of life that is never considered. Yet we control the outcomes of every moment they value. We pick up the trash, answer the phones, run cables to their devices, mow their lawns, solve their problems, control the flow of essential services, and keep our heads below the radar. We are the majority. Great shot there. Great shot of a picture of a a Trump rally. Holy smokes. It reminds me of being on the People's Convoy. It's amazing to be in the presence of so many patriots. We are the majority all across the heartland. Okay. Continuing on. We are armed with tools, hammers, pens, rulers, mice, pickups, laptops, post-it notes, stickers, and alternate forms of messaging that circumvent the control mechanisms deployed to create our silence. That's a very powerful paragraph. We are inside every facility, every institution, every meeting, every moment of their existence, and we notice everything. We have eyes of mice and ears of elephants. Where they, where we are there when they do not expect, and we melt away before they notice our appearance. We are smart, strategic, highly intelligent, and carry a brutally obvious obvious and pragmatic common sense that finds optimal solutions to everything. We identify our tribe immediately and without conversation. We see what they hide. We hear what they whisper. We decipher their codes, and we understand the complexity they create in their effort to conceal. We control the physical world that operates around every element of society, and we have real and tangible assets. 
We do not sit around pontificating eloquently about philosophic nuances. We get shit done. We are the people who facilitate their ability to take us for granted. And we do so without issue, without resentment or desire for recognition. We are optimistic, affable, kind, generous, friendly, loyal, warm, and quietly spiritual in purpose. We are polite, considerate, and slow to anger. We prefer to be left alone. However, pushed entirely far enough, decisions are reached. And right now, we are tenuously staring with deepened gaze. We are increasingly pissed off. Big time. We are what they fear. Friends, we are what they fear. I put a link to the full article. Please go read the whole thing. Friends, I agree that this is who we are. The question is, what the hell are we going to do about it? That's where the vision comes in, friends. And that's why we're going to have to continue this conversation to tomorrow. Please, friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click the heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And the greatest honor of all is if you share this with somebody. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace the rest of this terrific Tuesday, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.